The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Father, let every ear be anointed to hear. Let every heart receive to receive all that you have. Today we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I had probably one of the most strangest things happen to me this last week. In all the years of ministry, I went to sleep, as I normally do, on Wednesday night. And the whole night I dreamed and in my dream, I was busy looking through my notes on subjects that I taught back in the early 80s. And I went to a certain message that I preached back in 1985. And I actually went to a point in that message and it kept going over me, and which is crazy because I actually have not really preached on it again in that way. But even the phrase, I don't actually use it, but it was called voracious authority, voracious truth. And it was like that the whole night, and I thought, this is the wildest thing now. So I, I would toss and turn with this whole message. I knew exactly where it was, but I wasn't going to get up. I thought I'll deal with it in the morning. And the whole time is just going over and over in my spirit, because today I wanted to start on the book of Ephesians, and the Lord said, no, I want you to deal with this. So I said, okay, you know, I don't, I don't get up here and just preach what I think I should. I wait on the Lord. And so I got up in the morning, showered, got dressed, walked into my office, opened the cupboard uh, of, the, of the book case, and I've got like big folders then I grabbed the first folder and flipped it open and I went one two and there the message there were actually 22 lectures on the subject of authority and I went about two in and there it was there it is voracious authority and so I began to look at it and of course that's what I'm going to preach to you about actually in fact if you open your bulletin it's right inside the bulletin all my notes are in the bulletin today so how many got a bulletin who didn't get a bulletin? Oh, you, well, you missing out. Don't ever walk in the room without getting a bulletin. Ushers will get you a bulletin right now, and then you'll see what I'm going to share with you today. I don't know why you would walk in here without getting a bulletin. These bulletins are made possible by one of our sponsors. <laughs> It's imperative that you follow along here today. So today, I'm going to carry on next Sunday along these lines, but I'm going to start it here this morning. And I'm going to talk about understanding authority, and I'm going to go to the verse of Scripture from Romans chapter 13, if you remember, was thrown at us from every Tom, Dick, and Harry yeah. during COVID. How many remember? Let every soul be subject to the higher power. I mean, how many heard Romans 13 like five million times? It became the most famous passage of Scripture ever used. Even the devil was using it. Even total heathen were using Romans 13 to push the church into compliance. I mean, I'm talking about total... There's not even words to describe who was actually using these scriptures. How many know the devil also uses scripture? He uses scripture. And uh, the problem is when he uses scripture against the church and they actually believe him. And then they think it's God. Hello? Remember, the Bible talks about doctrines of demons. So the devil must have gone to some seminary to study. Are you with me? And so he comes along with his doctrine of demons and starts talking to you, and you go believe it. God spoke to me. No, the Lord didn't speak to you. You're smoking crack. <laughs> or something else. Bath salts. 
So let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Now, I had written all this out, and I'm sorry that I hadn't pulled this out back in 2020, but I feel the Lord wants it for now because this is very important, especially for anybody here that has any arguments in your mind about the Word because a lot of people, they don't want to read the Bible because the Bible is going to hit them in the head. And it's not about them correcting their life. It's about the devil using the Bible against them as a weapon. So the devil knows if he can't stop you from reading the Bible, he's going to take Scripture twisted and then hit you with it. So the same sword that's supposed to be coming out of your mouth to defeat the enemy, the devil is now using against you to keep you in defeat. So in actual fact, the devil's using Scripture to totally neutralize you. Hello. You'll, you'll understand. Now, the higher powers, what are these higher powers? Well, there are three of them. The first one is God. The second one is truth. Truth. Now, somebody said, well, what do you mean by truth? Well, we'll get to that. The third is the conscience of man. So when you think about it, because people always say, well, what is God going to do with the people that live in countries where they never heard the gospel? And how will they, it won't be fair if they're going to go to hell or whatever, but they will be dealt with based on their conscience. Are you with me? which the Bible says in Romans chapter 13 talks about that. So there'll be nobody on that day that has an excuse. Not one person will have an excuse. Because even I remember when I was a little boy in Africa, I knew when I was going to do something wrong. I knew what I was up to, and I'd even hear the Lord say, now don't do that. I mean, my conscience was talking to me. Are you with me? Hello. So no one can come and say, I didn't know, because you did. You did know. Now, the first thing I want to draw your attention to is the three higher powers, which notice there's not one there that says the government. We'll get to the government, but I'm going to put the government in their place here today. Are you with me? The the higher power is not the police. The higher power is not the military. The higher power is God. God, the supreme, the highest authority of all creation. Even though we know that when you realize that (laughs) he didn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. So he's not a creation, he's a creator. That separates him from anything else. God is self-existent, immutable, unchangeable, eternal, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and sovereign. Now, even though the word sovereign is not used in the New Testament, we understand what that means, even though there's a lot of people that quote, God is sovereign, and it's the sovereign will of God. They have no understanding what they're even talking about sovereign. Sovereign means highest, supreme, absolute, having supreme rank, power, or authority. In other words, there is none other but Him. Ephesians 4 and verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all which this is Father's Day. So what a great day to talk about the fatherhood of God and to see that his whole plan for his children, if if myself as an earthly father want the best for my kids and the best for my grandkids, how much more does not my heavenly father want the best for his kids and the best, somebody said, well, his grandkids. God doesn't actually have grandkids. He has kids. Are you with me? Because otherwise somebody said, well, you know, uh, Paul was, was, was obviously born out of due time, so he must have been a grandchild, and then we must be the great, 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 No, we all children of God, direct children of God, born of Him. Can you say amen? First Timothy 6, 15 and part B, it says, He is the blessed and only potentate, king of kings and lord of lords. Potentate in the Greek means powerful, mighty, a ruler or officer of great authority. Second Peter 1 and 16 in the Amplified Classic says, for we were not following cleverly devised stories when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, but we were eyewitness of his majesty, grandeur, authority of sovereign power. In other words, people knew that when Jesus walked, Jesus said, I 
If you see me, you've seen the Father. I represent my Father. And they said, we've never seen power after this sort or authority that even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? Majesty in the Greek means superbness, glory, splendor, magnificence, majesty, mighty power. All of what is being described there is what I felt when that fire came into the room in the early hours of March the 17th in 2020. It's this, no other way to describe it, but that's what I felt. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> there was no question. That's what I'm trying to say. There was no question about it. There was no question. There was no argument about it. That's the thing about when God comes in the room, there's no argument. When God walks in the place, you're going, um, excuse me, God. There's no, nothing. <laughs> it's just, oh, God, <laughs> you know, and you surrender to him. Are you with me? Because he is. Now, God doesn't just operate over some random set of things that are made up by individuals in the church. I mean, I listen to a lot of ministers, and they try to put on God their feelings. Now, the Lord's really mad today. He's not. I talked to him a few seconds ago. He was very happy. So he said, God's really angry. Um, no. You'll see him get angry one of these days. Are you with me? But that's not going to be for the church. Amen? God's not depressed. He's not confused. Amen? He hasn't fallen off his throne. In actual fact, he's very happy because the Bible says he sits in the heavens and he laughs. That's what he's doing right now. God's laughing right now. Amen. If you ever hear him laugh, you'll never have another depression day. But God and his word are one. So through the word is dispensed to the church God's plan for man from creation until the day that we see him face to face, till the day of the new heavens, new earth, the new Jerusalem, and we're going to rule and reign with Christ forever and forever. God will never violate his word. Therefore, we can fully trust his word. Amen. Amen. We fully trust his word because he is his word. And he's actually magnified his word above his name. And when you think about it, you're only as good as your name. But the, not only is his name good, but his word's magnified above that. So that means he's really good. <laughs> Amen. Psalm 138 um, uh, verses 2 says, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. He makes himself subject to his word and abides by his own laws. Titus 1 and 2, Hebrews 6, 18, it's impossible for God to lie. He cannot and will not lie. So he doesn't lie. What God says comes to pass. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, you can read these later. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 9, God ordained line of authority in the earth. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then the church the body of Christ. That's God's authority structure in the earth. That's why we cannot allow wicked government to bring to us rules and regulations that's contrary to God's word, contrary to the authority of the church. Somebody has to draw a line in the sand and say, excuse you, excuse you. You have no authority here. This is not your jurisdiction. You know, if it's a godly authority, a godly power, then they, they're not going to tell you to abort babies as they're born. Are you with me? And we can go through the whole long string of things of what they're wanting to do, but we know that that's contrary to Scripture. So how can the church be forced? Well, you will be forced. No, we're not going to be, we're not be forced to do anything. We're going to do what the, what the Word of God says. Are you with me? Well, then you're going to get into trouble. No, you're going to get into trouble. We're going to be fine. Amen. We're going to be fine. You're going to get into trouble. 
well, we'll kill you. Well, then you're still going to get into trouble. Because even if you kill me, I'm going to be fine, but you're in trouble. Are you with me? Because I know where I'm going. And I also happen to know where you're going. And where you're going is not very good. So just rather leave me alone. Amen. So then God, the supreme authority, gave Jesus the authority of all things to be the head of the church. And what happened with that? Jesus took that authority and gave it to us. He said, in my name, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He gave us, he delegated, which I won't get into delegated authority today, but that's what we are operating under, delegate. We're not operating as sovereign God. We're operating under him. Can you say amen? And we've got delegated authority. Say this after me. I have, I have delegated, delegated authority, authority from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he told me, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, no matter how it looks, if it's a creature, just keep preaching to it, and that signs and wonders would follow as I obeyed, as I operated in the delegated authority given to me. All right. Now let's get to the second point, which this is what tossed me awake the whole night. I mean, well, I wasn't awake, I was sleeping, but I thought I was awake. But it's called voracious authority. So it's truth. Now, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you cannot, <laughs> truth will stand. There have been many times over the years where people made up lies about us and I wanted to defend myself and the Lord said to me, don't say one word. Do, do not say one word. I said, but Lord, that's a, that's a pack of lies. I'm going to go and defend myself. He said, leave it alone and let me do it. And so I just leave it. Eight months later, all the truth comes out and everybody comes and says, oh, I'm so sorry. I believe the lie and you just, you didn't react to it. You said, oh. No problem. Why? Because truth will always stand. Can you say amen? Now, the thing about a lie, a lie will go around the world eight times before truth gets out of bed and puts his pants on. <laughs> That's just the truth. You know, <laughs> a lie, somebody tells a lie, the thing goes around the world now because people got Twitter, they get text messages, and the lies around the world. Truth is still sleeping. Truth didn't even get out of bed yet. It hasn't even got its trousers on, but the lie's gone around and people are believing it and printing. And you can see it in the newspapers today. So there is an authority that accompanies truth. Voracious means to be categorized by truthfulness, true, accurate, or honest in content. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall? So what's going to make you free? The truth of the Word of God. Now, here's something. If you are in bondage and you tell me that a scripture told you that, then I'm going to tell you that's not the God, that's not the Lord, that's not his word, it, it's out of his word, but the devil is taking his word and twisting it to keep you in the captivity because the word always produces freedom and liberty. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Two plus two equals... There's no ways that you can take two plus two. Great job, Emily. <laughs> I'm going to give you a cookie from uh, Land of the Light. Anyway. <laughs> two plus two equals four. There's no ways you can make it five. But we live in an hour where everything is being skewed and blurred, which is planned that way. White is black, black is white, red is yellow, yellow is blue, the grass is purple. You know what I mean? Genders are all skewed. Like, I'm a simple person. You've complicated things. Are you with me? No matter how hard you try, you cannot truthfully make it five. In Titus 1.1 in the Amplified Classics, Paul speaks of the truth 
which belongs to and harmonizes with and tends to godliness. Are you with me? So that truth is going to push you more to the Lord. It's not going to make you, you, you come tell me that God's led you in a thing and you're all depressed and you're stuck in a room somewhere and you're not going anywhere and you're not doing anything. No, the Lord's just led me. God's breaking me into what? I'll tell you right now, it's a religious devil that's got a hold of you. Are you with me? And you know different to those that have plucked out their own eyes, people that have castrated themselves down through the years. There have been many religious people that actually took a vow of silence and would not speak again for as long as they lived. And they all felt they were getting closer to God, and they weren't getting closer to God. They were just out there. So you can either live by the truth of the word that will not only set you free, make you free, but that truth in you will help make other people free. And you'll be a blessing, and they'll become a blessing as well. So Jesus is the ultimate truth. There's no darkness or lies in him. 1 John 5 and verse 6. Then John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. So Jesus is the very truth. Whenever you meet him, you're going to meet truth. Somebody said, well, I got a version of the truth. There's no other version of truth. Truth is only one version of truth. Are you with me? There might be a series of events that you have a version because you were standing on the one side and you saw something somebody else did. But that's not the truth. If I take you to Africa, and I take you to where the elephant is, and it's a tame elephant, and I blindfold you, one of you grabbed the tail of the elephant, the other grabbed the trunk of the elephant, the other one grabbed the foot of the elephant, the other one grabbed the ear of the elephant, as I tell you to tell people what you're feeling, your, your elephant's going to be strange. <laughs> and you all got a piece of the elephant, but it's not the elephant. You have the elephant's ear, you've got his nose, are you with me? You've got his feet, you've got his tail. And, and when I take you off somewhere else and we put you in a room, everybody will swear on the Bible that this is what an elephant is. And everybody is right to a point. You have a piece of the elephant, but you don't know the whole elephant. You got it? Okay. So... The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is coming, will guide you in all truth. The Holy Spirit will always support, verify, and back up the word of God so there's not some obscure scripture that the devil's now using against you to keep you in a place of captivity. In other words, you, you're married, and so now, well, I'm going to separate myself from my wife and lock myself in a room for a year and pray. There's no way in the Bible that tells you that you can do that as a husband. Hello. You can take some time to pray, but you need to be there as a husband. Are you with me? It's the same. Well, where's the children? Where's dad? No, dad separated himself. He's locked himself in a mountain to go pray. What? Are you kidding me? Now, people, people laugh at this, but you know there's people that actually do that. Some say, well, the Lord wants me to get specially anointed and whatever. What kind of a father deserts the wife and deserts the children to go get specially anointed while your kids are going to hell? You out there pressing into God. Something's wrong with that story. Amen. Because the first thing that's going to happen to you as a father, as, as a husband, is the Lord say, take care of your wife. Are you with me? You, you go, go pray. The Lord say, go Go take your wife out, take her shopping, go bless her, give, kiss her, buy her flowers. Oh, you mean that's what I need to do? Yeah, that's what you need to do. Oh, Lord, I thought it was going to be something spiritual. That is something spiritual, son. I thought more ladies would be responsive to what I'm saying. So, I mean, you see all the stuff happening in certain churches where the priests can't even get married and they end up in problems, you know. I mean, I'm not even talking about the stuff that happens with children. They end up with problems just with the nuns. Yeah. 
I mean, just because somebody's a nun doesn't mean to say they're ugly. No, I mean, they're awesome, pretty nuns. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about a priest, and they're there in the monastery, and the nuns are in the nunnery, you know what I mean? And, and they... <laughs> God help me. Hail Mary, full of grace. In the... <laughs> I mean, it's not good for a man to be alone. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. But so all of these things are lies. People have lived single lives trying to get closer to God, and they didn't. Somebody said, well, the Lord's called me to be single like Paul. Oh, really? Amazing how people will suddenly, they'll assign to themselves some spiritual thing that God never intended. They just can't find a wife. No, it's not that there isn't a wife there for them. There is a wife, but their standards are so high. The woman they want doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Hello. If, if they went to God with their request of what woman they wanted, the Lord says, son, um, there is none like her alive on the earth today. Because, because they, want, they want this perfect picture in their head, and people are not perfect. Are you with me? You have to work at a marriage. I'm on this here with fathers, but you have to work on a marriage. You have to work on your marriage. Boy, it's getting quieter now. <laughs> and then when you have children, you have to work on your marriage. Because kids will learn to divide the parents. Hello. That's why my father always, when I went to my dad, said, Dad, can I do this over you? He said, what did your mother say? Well, most of the time I hadn't asked my mother because if I asked my mother, she said, what did your father say? So I knew it's pointless <laughs> doing that. So I would just go to my father, dad, and so my dad said, what do your mother say? And then I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, go ask your mother. So then I went to ask my mother, my mother told me, but then I didn't have to go back and ask my dad. And somebody said, well, why did my dad say go ask your mother? Because he was happy with whatever my, his wife, my mom, made the decision my dad was happy with. Are you with me? But you know how many children split their parents? Well, Daddy said I can do this. Why are you here? And then they walk right out. How can you tell the kid to go to this? And then there's this big fight. The kid just stands there, smiles. <laughs> and they'll play you like a harp. I mean, I watched the twins. We got the twins, four years old. They, they know exactly what they're doing. Those, those are two rocket science geniuses. How old was Kennedy the one time? Was she three or she was two and a half or whatever? She's sitting in the, in the high chair in the kitchen and you were talking and she was sitting with her father and she said to her mother, she, huh, you came to kiss her dad and she said, hey, you, go back in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, she's not even three. And you, go back in the kitchen because she wanted the attention from her father. So just... <laughs> And you, go back in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. So the Holy Spirit will always support very fine back up God's word. That's why as husband and wife, you should be inseparable and you should have say the same thing so that you present the same thing to your children. Are you with me? Then 1 John 2 and 27, as the same anointing teaches you of all things, is truth and is no lie, even as taught you, you will abide in, in him. Then we go on and we talk about 
Lies versus the truth. Lies are unstable. They are erratic. They are fickle, irrational, changeable, precarious, shaky, and unsteady. In other words, the moment somebody gets in a lie, a lot of lies are birthed on the spur of the moment. In other words, uh, they're confronted, so quickly they've got to make up something, but they don't have enough facts to back up the lies. The devil, you would think that he would be a lot more smarter than what he is, but he's actually not because he'll bring one obscure scripture, and you know you can't take one scripture and then make a doctrine out of it. Out of the mouths of two or three, you've got to confirm everything. Are you with me? So I'm going to bring up something that's been a thing of contention to some people because it says so in the book of, of, of Romans 13, talks about if you eat food sacrificed to idols. Are you with me? So that would be wrong. How many know if you go to a place and they, 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 they've sacrificed the food to idols, now you're going to eat. But here's another story. Let's say you go to a place and you travel in the world. You don't know what they're feeding you. Are you with me? All I've learned is to pray over whatever they put in front of you. So let's say that they brought you food that was sacrificed to idols, but you didn't know. You had no clue that it was. So when you took the food, you prayed over it, and you ate it. Then later on, you found out. That didn't mean to say you go into the restroom, put your finger down your throat, and try to crack a Huey. You know what I mean? (laughs) A Huey. Anyway, um to get rid of the food. You've already prayed and, and, and received it. You would not knowingly do anything like that. So a person that loves God would not knowingly go do anything that would be contrary to the Word of God. So you don't have to live in fear. If I go to a Thai restaurant and they've got a big fat Buddha when I walk in the door, which most of them do. I mean, how many have been to a Thai restaurant? They've got a fat Buddha there. I'm not going to sacrifice anything to Buddha. I'm going to go sacrifice something to my stomach. (laughs) Are you with me? (laughs) All right, I'll leave that alone. So, when your heart is pure before God, and and that's going to lead me to to the next thing, we'll get into the conscience here, but I've got to deal with the lies because there's a lot of lies. And here's here's the problem, okay, so your heart is pure. Look at me. Your heart is pure. Your head gets confused because the devil sells you a lie and you adopt the lie as truth. So now your heart is in conflict with your head. So how are you going to hear God's voice? Because whenever you try to press in closer, you come under more condemnation by the enemy, and he's laughing up his sleeve because he's neutralized you. He's taken you out. You're supposed to be effective for the kingdom of God, and you're effective for nobody. You can't even be effective for yourself. Lies can be challenged and will disintegrate when brought in the line of the truth. Truth carries authority because it cannot be moved or changed. Truth is eternal, steadfast, immovable, and unchangeable. Therefore, truth is always the final authority. Nothing contrary to the Scripture can be true. Nothing in addition to the Scripture can be binding. That's why you have to search and study the Word of God. And don't come here with some obscure Scripture and tell me that God spoke to you. He didn't. It's a lying devil. The same lying devil that went to Jesus and said, it is written. He quoted Scripture to Jesus. And Jesus said, yes, it is written, but it's also written. You have to know what's also written to take authority over whatever else is written. Come on, everybody, say amen. Amen. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So if you're serving God and he's your father, how are you going to serve him if you think he hates you, God's upset with you, God's mad with you, God's angry with you? That means you go around your daily business, you're looking for something to fall on your head because you think God's really angry with me. I mean, you reverse into pole. I'll tell you the history of the Lord. If God was angry with you, the pole would fall in your head. Hello? Hello? 
Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, accurately dividing, and rightly handling, skillfully teaching the word of truth. And that's your job. That's what we endeavored to do here with River University. Now let's get to this authority of conscience, shall we? Romans 1, oh, sorry, Romans 13, verses 1 to 5, it says here, therefore one must be subject not only to avoid God's wrath and escape punishment, but also as a matter of principle for the sake of conscience. Conscience is co-knowledge, co-science, conscience. In other words, people can sear their conscience. What does that mean? It means by trying to serve God, but still live in the world. Are you with me? The Lord says, no, don't do that. Don't go hang with those people. No, don't go get into that situation. No, that's your past life. That's why the testimonies you heard, you know, we try to get people out of that past life and away from those friends and those people that they used to associate because the problem is they're going to end up going back to doing what they did because that's what they did when they were in that realm. Are you with me? So your heart is your, is your spirit and your head is your mind. When they are in conflict, it creates confusion. Romans 12, 2, 2 verse 12 to 14, all who have sinned without the law will also perish without in regard to the law. All who have sinned under the law will be judged and condemned by the law. For it is not merely hearing the law, read, that makes one righteous before God, but it's doers of the law who will be held guiltless and acquitted and justified. When the Gentiles who have not the divine law do instinctively what the law requires, they are law to themselves since they do not have the law. So you got to understand there's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. We, we were not brought in under the law. then how come there's whole groups of people trying to get themselves back under the law? Because the thing about the law is you can't keep it. <laughs> so if you can't keep it, then you're breaking it, and then you're all in trouble. That's why Jesus came. What did Jesus come? To fulfill the law. So this explains how people who have never heard the gospel are going to be judged. Their conscience bear witness that the law is written in their hearts. So no one will have an excuse. Somebody said, well, then we don't need to preach the gospel. No, we preach the gospel because there are many people that have never heard. I talk to people, you know, some people feel like, well, maybe I'm the person that has lost it all. I, I personally, and I've traveled, what, 88 countries, 43 years now in ministry, and I've never, I personally have never met a reprobate or somebody that was serving God or was not serving God that I could say they finished. I've never, I'm, I'm sure they are, but I've never met them, and I've met a lot of people. Because the person who was at that place would not even worry about it. You know, if you, were, if you were that far gone, you wouldn't even care. You wouldn't even be concerned about anything. Are you with me? Yes. But I still give an invitation every time we give an altar call for people to accept Jesus or come back to the Lord or make sure because there are people battling with those lies of the enemy and a lot of it comes from their past. A lot of it comes from the devil taking scripture, quoting it to them in the middle of the night, and then they believe it, think I got a revelation from God. How come the revelation from God has caused you to lose everything that you have? How come the revelation of God has got you locked up somewhere? You're not doing anything with the kingdom of God. A revelation of God mobilizes you. A revelation from God actually has you helping more people than you've ever helped before. A revelation from God doesn't make you incapacitated. A revelation from God doesn't cause you to live in fear. What kind of a father is that? Hello? Imagine your children coming into your house and they're all afraid of you. And that's how a lot of people are. They always run around in fear half the time. Your heavenly father, 
She says, come sit down. Come sit at the table. Come eat at the banquet table. Come sit down here. What else do you want, son? What do you want from me? Well, can I get you anything else? No, dad, I'm fine. Now, come on. Surely there's something else I can get you. That's a true father. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. 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 So basically, the choice is yours. It's just about who's, who you're going to believe. You're going to believe the word of the Lord. You're going to believe the lies of the devil. The choice is yours. Now, don't look at me like I made this message up yesterday. I, this thing, I preached this back in 1985, and some of you weren't born in 1985, so don't look at me like I made this message up. Someone said he made this message specially for me. No, I have notes from 1985. I didn't know you in 1985. Is this helping anybody here today? Because once you know, it'd be really great if you sat on the outer seat, then he doesn't have to play musical chairs every time you have to go to the restroom, which I think you've already been seven times. So sit on an outer seat, then the poor brother doesn't have to get up and down. I watched him up and down, up and down. He made like 17 trips to the restroom. Pick an outer seat. Otherwise, that special claw is going to come down from the roof and pick you up. What, you haven't seen it yet. I've installed it. I haven't used it yet. I go back in here, put a quarter in it, and I just press the button, and the hand will come and find you and pick you up. I mean, this is what separates people from accomplishing things for God or just being inactive, because they always felt, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never going to measure up to what, who, how? How would you, how are you going to measure up anyway? It's all because of Jesus. Everything's because of Jesus. You just get up and go do what God's told you to do. Somebody said, well, I'd really like him to tell me something else. Why would he want to tell you something else? Just go do what he told you to do. Somebody said, well, what do I do Monday? Same thing you did last Monday. What am I going to do Tuesday? Get up and go do exactly what he tells you to do. Amen. Amen. Well, I need another word. No, you need a kick in your britches. <laughs> need another word. These natural things. Get up, take a shower, shave, brush your teeth, get, get dressed, go to the restroom first. Flush. Eliminate, eliminate. Amen. Clear your bowels. Amen. Warn the family. Because <laughs> some of you are full of it. I'll tell my wife, you probably don't want to come in here right now. Because I love my wife. So, honey, just stick out there. <laughs> it's, it's not good. I passed a few thoughts. <laughs> you be considerate of others. You, university students, sharing accommodation with other students, be considerate. It's like a nuclear bomb went off in the place. Well, I think it hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah, you come from the food bank with five boxes of Cheetos. Anyway, all right, moving right along. 
Well, I didn't realize I'd have that kind of reaction. It's like I've struck gold. See, ladies and gentlemen, the simplest things people can relate to. major revival happening back over here in this section. Breathe, lady, breathe, breathe. <laughs> My name is Roddy Brown. I'm, I'm endeavoring to preach a message here at the river on this Sunday morning. It's Father's Day. If you just tuned in. So natural knowledge versus supernatural knowledge. The knowledge of the word supersedes natural knowledge. When your heart knows to do the right thing, the word of God is in you, but you rebel, your heart will condemn you or convict you. Your heart will be your judge, not your head. Hello. Your heart will be your judge, not your head. So the judge is over here. Your heart is at peace. But the head's telling you nonsense. Do you think it's the Lord speaking to me? No, it's not. It's this thing up here. There's a big difference between a thought here or your heart. That's why you have to bring the thoughts captive. And of course, the kingdom of God is not, is righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Ghost, not meat and drink, which everybody thinks it's meat and drink. That's why they're fighting over who eats what. Hello. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You've got to have something to eat. You need some meat. You need, meat is good. That's why when people come to me with their vegan stuff, you lost me, bro. <laughs> you lost me. I mean, I'm, I can eat vegetables just like the next person, but don't you come replace my meat. Amen? And whatever is not of faith is sin. So your own conscience will qualify you to either be accused or excused before God. And so how do I know when God's dealing with me? Because it'll be the first thing in my mind, when I wake up in the morning, it'll be right there, or the last thing before I go to sleep. And so somebody said, well, what happens if you go to sleep and there's nothing? Now, my head might be racing with the thing, but I don't go by my head. You must be very thankful that I do not go by my head. <laughs> I go by my heart. Can you say Amen. Because if you think your heads had stuff that they would deal with, you don't even want to know what my heads had stuff to deal with. So I've learned a long time ago to say, shut up to my head. Shut up. Follow your heart. That's what we teach you, to hear the difference between Natural knowledge and supernatural knowledge. So your authority never exceeds your responsibility. You only have authority in the realms of your responsibility. So there's certain things that you worried about, but it, what can you do about it? 
What can you do? Like he was upset about how the country is going. Well, you're not the president. You're not the person in government to even make decisions along those lines. So take a chill. Get full of the Holy Ghost, win souls. And if the Lord leads you to run for government, fine, and get in there, and then don't bow like the others have and kiss the ring. Are you with me? Capiche? So this is important that you grab a hold of this. So we walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings. There are days when you're going to not feel the best. But I don't go by my feelings. I don't wake up thinking, oh, my God. I'm backslid in my sleep. (laughs) I mean, you went to sleep on fire. You wake up on fire, even though you feel tired. All of this is important. And then husband and wife, you help one another. If you're single, you just have to go look in the mirror and then help yourself. (laughs) Amen? But husband and wife, some husbands should listen to their wife. Some wives should listen to their husband. Two are better than one. If the one stumbled, the other one can hold the other one up and walk together. Amen. So this, these higher powers, God, truth, your conscience, that's there. That's subject to the word of God. After that comes powerful ministry and governments and all of that kind of stuff. But those are all delegated. They're not the higher powers. Do you understand that? So I can submit to everything that's in line with the Word of God. I cannot submit to something that's outside of the Word of God. I can't. If it means I'm going to die because I won't submit, then I'm ready to die because I won't submit to what's not in the Word. I'm not going to sear my conscience, even for money, even for position. I'm not bowing, and I will not compromise. I mean, there's probably a few countries in Africa that we have to kick out of our schedule because they still want some of the mandate stuff. And I'm not playing those mandate games. Sorry, I'm not playing the mandate. I have never done it in the three years, and I'm not starting now. So when you drop all your nonsense, then we'll come. Until then, you can come see me. Amen. I'll find a free zone, and you can come see me there. But I'm not, I'm not dancing to your, to your drum. I'm not doing it. So we're not compromising. We'll never back off. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that's it. I, uh, we'll get into more. We're going to get into delegated authority next week. But how many see everything in a different light here today? Say, God, God, the truth, truth, and then my heart. heart. Those are the ones that need to be in a line. After that, don't worry about the rest, you know. Just that's where everything will flow from. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, if you would, please, across this room. I want to give an invitation. If you're here and you fit into any one of these categories today and you say, Pastor, I've I've come here today, but I've never given my life to Jesus, but today I want to do that. I want to ask you a question, what would happen if today was your last day on the earth, and uh, you went from here, put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night, you went to sleep and never woke up. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I want you to know that by a decision today, you can surrender your life to Him And today, you can know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to know how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. That's one thing he told me. He said, I love the people so much. He said, I'm sifting my people. I'm separating the wheat from the tares, the profane from what's holy, the false from what's real, and I'm purifying my bride. 
because he said, I'm coming so very soon and my people are not ready, but I'm going to get them ready. So the Lord is waiting for you to surrender your life and just place it on the altar and say, yeah, I come. Maybe you're here and it's something that's hidden that no one can see and you've never dealt with it. I'm not even saying that you have to go tell anybody, but you can tell the Lord. And today you can just surrender your life afresh to him. Maybe it's something outward that the enemy now uses against you to keep it in a place of guilt and condemnation. But today you're going to lay it at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I come to you. I'm not leaving this church today the same way I walked in here. I'm leaving changed, transformed by your power and your anointing. You've heard the testimonies of individuals that have testified, not only today, but down through the weeks. Will you surrender your life to him? Maybe a storm came against your life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked your world. It knocked the breath out of your lungs. It, it, it hit you right in the place in your solar plexus. And you were winded. It's like stopped you dead in your tracks. But Jesus says, come, I'm going to breathe new life into you. Maybe it was a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that shook you to the core. But today you say, I'm surrendering my life afresh to him today. And then lastly, if you're here and you say, I do love the Lord, Pastor, but I'm not sure of my salvation, but I'd like to make sure today, if this is you and you fit in these categories, I want to pray with you and for you right where you are. Quickly, put your hand up and say, pray for me right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you, 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 God bless you. Raise up high in the balconies on the main floor. Just quickly slip your hand up and say yes. Thank you, I see your hands. Slip it up high and say yes, Lord. Yes, today is my day. I'm not leaving here the same way I came. In Jesus' name, he loves you so very much. Once you've raised, you can put it down. I want you to look at me right now, please. In this section here, and then up into the north balcony, if you didn't raise your hand but want to be included in the prayer, we're going to pray right now. Quickly, put your hand up and say, include me. Thank you. I've seen your hands already. Anybody else? Up in the balcony, on the side here. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Quickly, slip it up high. Under, under the overhang there, God bless you. Yes. What about the middle section and the west balcony? Quickly, just slip your hand up and say, yes, that's me. Thank you. Thank you, God bless you. Anybody else on the main floor? Slip it up high. What about this far side over here? And the south balcony, just quickly. Put your hand up right now. Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? I want every person that raised your hand, I want you to stand right where you are. Stand. Every person that raised your hand, stand, 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 stand. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want you to bring your personal belongings and come stand right here. We're going to pray together. Come. Ushers, if you to help them, even from the balconies, bring them down, and we'll wait for you. Come. Today is the day of salvation and freedom and liberty. Today he calls you. Come. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. 
No turning back. No turning back. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take the whole world. But give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. We'll wait. Just come. We'll wait. I want you to look at me, if you would, when I hear the testimonies in the services every week. And I think of the conditions that people found themselves in. And yet, one thing is common. Everyone that just in the depths of despair, they cried out and said, oh God, if you can, if you can find me, if you can. And the Lord came and found every one of them and brought them out. And that's what he's going to do for you right now. And you that are watching in your homes, as I pray with them, I want you to pray with me. If you mean business with God, God means business with you. We'll wait. We'll wait. Amen. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Amen. For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made. So we can't buy this gift. It's free. But we humble ourselves to receive it. So whether you're here for the first time today or you're here to recommit your life or make sure we were going to pray one prayer. I want you to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this together with me out loud. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world, and I turn my back on sin, and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me, and thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now, Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day, not one will be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So just like 
Jesus told the disciples to go tell them their sins are forgiven them. I'm telling you right now, your sins are forgiven you right now. And from this moment, you belong to him and he belongs to you. Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.